Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Uh, please be sure to download the app, the Veritas app. Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And if you like what Joe and I do, uh, you, wherever you see us on social media, please like, subscribe, share, follow, particularly on Twitter, do all that fun stuff. Today, we're welcoming welcoming back to the program a friend of the show, Dr. Ray Gorendi, and he's no stranger to all you EWTN listeners out there. I'm sure you all know who he is. Uh, he's got a new book out uh, from Sophia Press, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage. You know, Joe Restinello, uh, our, lady of Fat our lady at Fatima said, that the final attack of Satan will be against marriage in the family. I, I think you could just look out your window or put on Fox News and you could see exactly what's going on and what we have to go through and particularly have to, how we have to stand firm as Catholics to defend uh, marriage and the family. So Dr. Ray has written a great book, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage. Um, like I said, all of you out there know him. However, I'll just throw this out. This is a, just a short bio. Uh, Dr. Ray is a Catholic father of 10, talk about family, father of 10, clinical psychologist, author, professional speaker, national radio and television host. His radio show, The Doctor Is In, can be heard on over 400 stations and Sirius XM Channel 130. His EWTN television, <laughs> television series, Living Right with Dr. Ray, is aired in 140 countries. Dr. Ray has given over 3,000 talks on various topics, including parenting, marriage, family, and the Catholic faith. He captivates audiences with his compelling humor, laced presentations providing practical advice and proven techniques. Dr. Ray Gorendi, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Hello, gentlemen. Let's see, we got three Italians. Oh, up, don't we? The, the audience is in trouble. <laughs> Two is bad enough, Dr. Ray. When there's a third, watch out. Are you 100%? I, yes, we are. Your grandparents yes, I am too. through Ellis I'm Island? Yeah. Me too? Well, my grand, my, my mother's side uh, stayed in Italy, My, but both sides of my family, funny enough, are from the same little dot on the map in Italy. Um, so both sides, but my, my paternal grandparents did come through Ellis Island when they were children. My maternal grandparents stayed there, but my mother uh, immigrated to the United States. So, so yeah. you, you grew up, you grew up having to go to your grandmother's house for dinner after Sunday mass. Uh, my, honestly, my mother's house, she, my mother would host everybody because I got to say this, God rest my grandmother's soul. She couldn't cook for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a. I had the one Italian grandmother that I love my grandmother, Josephine. Uh, she, she couldn't cook for anything. You didn't you want sure? to go over you her sure house she was Italian. You might've wanted to do some genetic testing there. You though. know what it is, Dr. Grady, not every Italian woman could cook. I know that's kind of like sacrilegious to say, I hear wow. a lot of Italian guys out there, you know, yelling right now. <laughs> wow. Well, at your, at your grandmother's house, you prayed after you eat, right? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Um, but but uh, about your book, um, well, real quick, let's 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 start with a prayer. Um, Joe, if you want to start, and then we'll we'll get into the conversation about your book, the importance of your book. Joe. Uh, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, our most gracious Virgin Mary. Never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins. Our mother, to you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. amen. Name of the Father, amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Doc, obviously this is an important book because marriage is failing in America. I mean, half of them get divorced, and frankly, a lot of them that stick together, they're holding on by a thread. Um, is that what made you write the book? In my office, when people are on the edge of divorce, much of the time, and this is a generalization I think you can say across the culture, it isn't because there's pathology, not adulterous relationships, gambling, abuse, neglect. It is because I don't like you anymore. It is because we just don't get along. As one, one movie character said, I don't even like the way she licks postage stamps. Nice. So, so as a result, <laughs> what a lot of this was, and I say to these people, I said, didn't you like each other once? Wasn't there a time, maybe years, in your marriage where it was much more close than it is now? So what has happened is they've drifted apart through neglect, through hostility, through various circumstances. So I wrote the book to say, all right, I'm not asking you to do anything fancy. Simple steps to a stronger marriage, title of the book. There are things you can do that will dramatically have an impact on a healthier marriage. If you do these, I guarantee it. But here's the problem, gentlemen. People don't do them. Folks will say to me in therapy, they'll say, uh, uh, what's the hardest part of therapy? Is it uh, trying to figure out what makes people tick? No, no, I've been doing this long enough that if I listen long enough, I can, I can get a decent picture. Is it, is it trying to have an idea how they can improve their lives? No, no, I, I, I've heard so much of the same thing for so long that... I pretty much have some direction. Then what is it? What's the hardest thing in therapy? Oh, that's easy. Persuading them to do it. And that's the crux of this book. Yeah, I'll give you these steps. But then I have to persuade you that they're worth doing. Because they're simple things. But we all have our resistances. I call them resistance rationale in the book. We all have our resistance not doing them let me explore that for a second because i actually think that's how people look at god like one of the things i always say about the catholic church is it's painting by numbers god doesn't promise us an easy life but he does lay out a pretty good plan and history and the millennia have basically shown it does kind of work but just to what you said we just don't listen i say it to my kids i got five Listen to me. Listen to me. If you listen to me, you'll go far. I say that constantly. People don't listen. They think they know better. When 
many times, to your point, Doc, they simply don't. And the proof's in the pudding because their lives are a wreck. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like sometimes it's like, I can't even believe it. Your life's a wreck. You should be listening. But nope, I know better. Really? Doesn't seem like it. If there is a God, then he knows the best way to live. If he says, do it this way, don't do it that way, he knows. He is infinitely ahead of psychology. And as a matter of fact, he probably counters an awful lot of modern psychology. When people walk into my office, whether they realize it or not, as they drift from the way God says to do it, they have more misery in their lives. Say a guy walks into my office and he married his wife. She's Catholic. He, he converts, but his heart's never really kind of been in it. So they've got four kids now. He's leaving her. He's leaving his wife, his four kids. He's found somebody better as he sees it. What do I do, gentlemen? How do I appeal to this guy in any moral sense? Because this is not a moral matter for him. What do I do? Well, I fall back on God's way. For example, I'll ask him, how old is uh, your oldest daughter? She's 15. Is she talking to you? No. Why is that? She thinks I'm destroying our family. Ah, I see. So this woman that you're dating, does she uh, have any children? Yeah, she has two, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Well, how, how are they? Oh, they're brats. They're obnoxious little brats. Well, does she let you discipline them? No, no, not at all. And uh, her ex-husband says he's their dad and I can't say a word. So what I do, gentlemen, is I take them through the natural consequences of their stupidity. I can't tell them it's immoral because they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. They want to do what they want to do. But God's morality is based on reality. And therefore, you go against his morality, you're going to crash with reality. Let me, Dr. Ray Gorendi joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, let me ask you this, Dr. Ray, because I, I, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing that comes to mind for me is, because uh, what, what it speaks to, I think, is you, you're talking about the desire of, let's say, let's keep it with the man for a second. The desire to want to stay with his wife, raise his children, obviously, which, which requires a sacrifice. Obviously, in the example you gave, he no longer, quote unquote, likes his wife, Okay. Moreover, he's found somebody else who he thinks, oh, he's got this deep relationship with me, uh, with this woman. Probably, let's be realistic, it's probably very sexual. That's the attraction there. How much of the influence of the culture on that man? Now, I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but how, how much weight do you put on the influence of pornography or the pornographic culture that we live in? that placed in men's minds in particular, this unrealistic image of what their life could be, all right, particularly with, like, say, hardcore pornography, okay, to the point where they would leave their wife and kids. Because I agree with you, and I think anybody out there listening to us on Veritas would agree with you. It's an act of stupidity to leave your wife when you got four children under 15 years old, okay? But yet a man still does it. How much do you attribute that to the pornographic culture? Pornographic's huge, gentlemen, but I'm going to throw at you a variable that uh, you probably haven't thought much about. I got a letter today from a canon lawyer. 
She is involved in many tribunals around the country. She said, Dr. Ray, you're right. So many of these people in these marriages that are falling apart just don't like each other anymore. And she said, it was interesting what she said. She was shocked at how many of them had gone to therapy and were told by the therapist, get out. Wow. You deserve happiness. You deserve to follow your own, your own authentic self. And she said there was no pathology in the relationship. No one had to be protected. Well, Dr. Ray, let me, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I really need to jump in with this point. I want to, I want to ask you, uh, they, uh, I, I, Actually, you know what, Doc? Keep keep going. I, I kind of I, I had a muddled question. I want to get it clear. I'll ask you in a minute. Let me draw a parallel. It's a little off our topic. One of the more common referrals I get, gentlemen, is young adult children who want nothing more to do with their parents. They write them off. They shun them. They are hostile toward them. They blame them. They think their religion is ridiculous. I see this a lot. And all too often, there is a therapist in the background who listens to these young adults tell horror stories as the adults see it about their parents. And the therapists use words like toxic, narcissist, emotional abuse. I had a dear friend, Christian friend, good man, a very good man. Three of his children basically dumped on him. We don't want to have anything more to do with you anymore. And it turns out the two of the three were going to a therapist. And the therapist pushed him that way. So, yeah, that's one of the dangers. When I tell people, if you're going to go get marriage counseling, you make sure that you go to a therapist who respects your deepest held beliefs. Because if you don't, the chances are you're going to get nudged out the door. Dr. Ray, I, I remembered my question. You said that it's it's hard for you to make an, a, an argument, use the word argument, for morality with these people because they don't care. But what about good old-fashioned shame? Now, again, I'm speaking to a clinical psychologist, so I, I don't know how well that would go over. That's why I'm asking. What about good old-fashioned shame? What about the guy who's got four kids under 15 and he's trying to convince himself that he's going to find happiness somewhere else? What, what about, yeah, shame? Like, kind of like Italian guys like us would say, like, slap them upside the head and say, hey, wake up. You got four kids under 15 years old. What are you talking about? You want to go, you want to go marry you, go mod. I mean, I, 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 do you know where I'm going with Dr. Ray? Is that effective at all? No. Wow. Because for shame to be effective, the person has to have a conscience reaction. They've got to somewhere down deep think that what they're doing could be wrong, morally wrong. Unfortunately, the human ability to justify whatever we do is nearly limitless. Very few people say, this is very, very wrong, but that's okay because I choose to do it anyway. Very few. What they say, Joe, is, well, this isn't wrong. What I'm doing. I have reason for this is not wrong. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to shame. Let, let me give you a statistic on this. Okay. Please so you do. Say, yeah. So you say, let's shame them. 
Okay. Now you're living with your boyfriend. You're a 22 year old girl. You just got out of college and you want to move in with your boyfriend and your mom and dad are trying to stop you because that's not how they raised you. And therefore you say, well, what about shame? What about scandal? What about the way it looks? A recent poll said this percentage of the people polled agreed that there is absolutely nothing wrong with living together before marriage. Do you know what that percentage was, gentlemen? I don't even want to think about it, but go ahead, Doc. Well, you're a little low there, Joe, 86. Let me give you another one. What percentage of people enter marriage as virgins? Oh, I would, I'm going to guess over 90, uh, uh, oh, less than 10%. Three. I buy that. So yeah. you see what happens here. What, what we say is good old fashioned shame is not there because the social norms say it's okay to act this way. Right. You guys are the weirdos. I'm the weirdo, even though you're absolutely correct. Any objective view of living this way leads to all kinds of anxiety, depression, suicide through the charts, substance abuse, misery. Yeah, the, the research is, is off the charts in this stuff, but that's okay because we don't want to pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Ray Gorenzi is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello on the Veritas Catholic Network. Please go out and buy his book. It's available at Sophia Press. Uh, where else, Doc, can people buy the book? You can get it at EWTN or you can get it at my website, drray.com. Absolutely. 10 steps to a healthy marriage. All right, let's try to pivot a little bit because the first 10 minutes or so has been a little bit depressing about marriage. But you, you've written a book, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage, Joe Racinello. Doc, I, I want to talk about my observations because I've done some pre-Canus stuff. Um, and this is what I've observed. And th now, this is in the Catholic Church. And I'm going to make a statement. People don't know what marriage is. They don't know what it is. Marriage is not looking at each other. It's looking in the same direction. And what I would always say when I taught that course, I would say, what is the goal of your marriage? Look to the man. And I know what the goal is. I'm going to be rich. We're going to be rich. That's the goal. Everyone wants to have the house on the hill. The goal should be, I'm going to get my wife to heaven and she's going to get me to heaven. That's not the goal of most marriages when you look them straight in the face. There is a misunderstanding of what marriage is, and I think that's what leads to the discontent and the failure. Marriage is about 100% sacrifice. It's not 50%. It's not compromise. It's I'm the husband. I have five kids and I have to die to myself and I need the grace of the sacraments to do it because without that, I will fail because I am selfish and I am broken and I am a sinner. That's not the understanding of what marriage is in America, mostly within the church. I want to know your opinion. That's my observation. People ask me, what do I look for in a spouse, in a potential spouse? I'll say the number one thing, someone who believes in the religious commitment of marriage. 100% agree with if you. If you don't have that, then assaults on that marriage can take it down. Doc, <laughs> I agree with you. I'm going to say a radical thing. 
we're on the front line. I've said this to Joe. I'll say it to you. You're a brother. I don't even believe in civil marriage because it doesn't work. I don't believe in it. Oh, we can hold on together. Some do. It doesn't work. God made marriage. It's a sacrament because he knows us. We're sinners and we need the grace of the sacrament. Your thoughts. And give you some interesting statistics, gentlemen. Do you know what the divorce rate was in 1960? Probably around, my guess is going to be around 20%. Five. Is that overall that. or amongst Catholics? Overall. Okay. I believe you. And that was because most people viewed marriage as a religious commitment, much, much higher. The way it stands now, and we're, we're talking to young people who listen to your program who are saying it's very, very hard to find someone out there that I can feel totally assured that they'll stay with me all the way. That if I get in an accident and I no longer am physically the person, will they leave me? So the first thing is you have to take your time to see that this person thinks religiously like you do. The, some of the biggest mistakes I've seen in my office is where people thought, that's okay, I'll bring them around. I'll bring them around. You know, they, they, yeah, they're not really into this all that much. And he's kind of got his doubts about God and everything, but, but you know, he goes to church with me, goes to church with me. Yeah. Well, you better have a lot more substantive background than that. Secondly, among the 35 and under age group now, 40% highest ever recorded say they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Zero. Furthermore, more of them are living together than are married. That's why the, that's why the divorce rate's gone down, the less marriages. And three, they are having more children out of wedlock than in wedlock. Now, that is the new social norm. So what I'm saying is people listening to this, they best realize that they're going to be a minority. They're going to have to make this decision and not expect the culture to go along with them. That's kind of the way it is. I can't tell you how many young women I know that are beautiful, faith-filled young women. They can't find a guy. They can't. So as a result, patience, time, do not, do not sacrifice what you want in a spouse because you're getting nervous. I well, agree let me ask with you 100%. But let me ask you this, Dr. Ray. Catholics are supposed to be a light to the world. Salt of the earth, Jesus said, right? Go out. We have, we need to live the gospel, okay? How important is it, obviously, for, for Catholic mothers? Now, I've heard this out of the mouths of Catholic mothers, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, okay? But I think it's ridiculous when, when parents capitulate to the culture and say, well, I know my kids are just going to do that anyway. Talking, let's say, mothers about their daughters or, their fa or fathers about their sons. How important is it if you want to be a light to the world, Catholics, let's just keep it with America. Catholic mothers should be telling their daughters to keep their legs closed and Catholic fathers need to be telling their sons, you keep it in your pants. Don't talk to me about you went to a keg party in college and you and, and you did this, that or the other thing. No, you're going to wait. If we did that, maybe we maybe we would begin to shift the culture a little bit. But I don't Let think we're answer, doing a good I job. I to say this. The reason why they don't is because the parents aren't doing that. But no, that's how many but that's parents why I'm... are open to life? But, how many uh, are open to life in the Catholic Church? Very few. I go to church. How many families? One kid, two kids. You've been married since you're 23. 
Really? That's that's interesting. I've been married 10 years. I have five. I lost two. Like people are not open to life. Don't think that it's going to change. Words mean nothing. Well, you Dr. Ray, along those lines, along those lines, and here's here would be the question. Is the church properly? And again, I'm, we're not bashing the church, but just to ask, are we lacking? Are we lacking what we need as far as educating young people in the church itself as far as what marriage is supposed to be? We are underestimating the soul-shaping power of the culture. Okay. The culture is like a fog. It will seep in under your doors, through your windows, into your house, so that one day you look at this 21-year-old and say, why do they think like that? Why do they act like that? We didn't raise them that way. And I will tell these clients, I'll say, I believe you. I believe that you didn't, but you underestimated the power of what did. So the first thing I, I tell parents is if you want to raise a kid who's got a better chance of staying in the faith, you're going to have to do several things. One, you're going to be countercultural in a lot of ways. You just are. Your, your kid's not going to have a smartphone at 12. That's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. It might probably not, shouldn't happen when he's 16. That's, right. that's I'm, 32, I'm 52 and I don't have one. I never did. That's flip, why I can never get him on the phone. I'm just telling you, this house is, is a freak show. When I used to tell Catholic parents, you know, it, you choose your options for schooling. Homeschooling is not for everybody. I now believe that if you can homeschool, you better homeschool. You cannot assume what the schools are teaching your children. And even if the school has a certain policy, you cannot assume that a certain teacher will not teach your children what that teacher wants to your children to believe. So that's another factor. Here's a third factor. 60% of kids lose their faith going to college. They go to college, they get a bachelor in something, not usually technical, something. 50% of them do not work in their degree field upon graduation. By 10 years later, 90% of them are not working in their degree field. However, they have $40,000 in loans that they're paying $700 a month on for 15 years, and they've lost their faith. So I tell parents, if you, unless it's absolutely necessary, you don't send your kid away to college. Go local if you can. Go two years here at a local uh, community college, do what you can. None of our children we sent away. I had one daughter that went away to college. She went to an all-girls school. She was in ROTC, so therefore it was a special program. But the other kids stayed at home, commuted to college, and we did not have that temptation of pulling them away from the faith. And plus, we didn't have loans. Well, yeah, and you used the figure of 40000 In so many cases, it's it's a lot more than that. Um, I, I have said the same thing. I have a 13 year old and, but I'm going to, I'm going to say for him to go to college, but I tell you what, it ain't going to be like every other parent, like Joe always says on the show, why would you spend $70,000 a year sending your kid to Boston college when they're going to come out and, and, and the results are going to be what you just described, Dr. Ray It's like they, they losing the faith is the most important thing, but are there, come on, let's be real. They're not even being educated. What are you going to do with a gender studies degree? Well, yo, Austria Italian guys could tell you what you're gonna do with that with that gender studies degree. It ain't gonna pay off those student loans, and you're gonna wind up being a server in a steakhouse anyway. All right, so why are you gonna go through the go through the trouble? I'm gonna tell my boy, give him choices: trade school, go learn a trade, make a lot of it. If the goal is money, contractors and plumbers make a boatload of money. Okay, <laughs> so you so you don't have to you know, That's the way I look at. It. You want to start a business? I'll help you start a business. 
But the bottom line is this. If I educate my child in the faith, this is my larger point, and then we're going to go to a break. If we all educate our children in the faith, I'm sorry. That's all the education they need, as far as I'm concerned, about how to live a good life. But we have to leave it there for a second. Uh, we're going to try to get more positive in the second half hour because we have Dr. Ray Gurendi here, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage. We're going to discuss, we've discussed some of those steps, maybe in a little bit more of a negative way. Now we're going to talk a little bit more in a positive way. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe uh, on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Remember, download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. Share it with your friends. Follow Joe and I wherever you see us on uh, social media. Like, subscribe, share. Remember, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage, available at Sophia Press and EWTN.com. Uh, and Dr. Ray, the doctor is in or DrRay.com? DrRay.com. DrRay.com. Please go out and buy the book. Stick around. We have another great segment with Dr. Ray. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio Works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach with Dr. Ray Guarendi. We're discussing his new book, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage. That's available at Sophia Press. Uh, Joe Racinello, where do you want to go? Pope Francis said there's three very important things about marriage. One is may I to say statements. Another one is thank you. And the last one is I'm sorry. And I believe that as a Catholic, particularly the I'm sorry is part of our faith because we are sinners and we go to confession and we're used to going to a priest or to someone else and saying, what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. How important are those two words, I'm sorry, in a marriage? They are the first step in the book say, I'm sorry. Now, obviously, that's not earth-shattering revelation. What's different about this, Joe, is that what stops people from saying, I'm sorry? And I go over them, and I attempt to deconstruct them. Uh, it'll be thrown back in my face. I didn't do anything wrong. If I say I'm sorry, she'll think that I'm totally wrong and she's totally right, and that's not the way it is. Well, I may not say I'm sorry, but I, but I act I'm sorry. Well, the last time I said I'm sorry, I heard sorry doesn't make everything right. If you're truly sorry, you're going to change. So in other words, if you want more I'm sorry's, you better recognize as a spouse that you 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 this is the delicate thing people don't easily say i'm sorry and if you're going to do anything to rebuff and i'm sorry you're defeating your own purpose gentlemen i have a phrase in the book called personal apology percentage can you take a guess on what that might be low yeah, <laughs> it is the percentage that I have to believe that I'm wrong before I'll apologize. Now, for most people, it's got to be at least 
I got to at least be half wrong. You can have the other half. I'll apologize. But what if I'm only 12% wrong in my mind? Okay, you started the argument. You badgered me. You wouldn't let it go. I tried to defuse it. Finally, I lost it. I yelled, I screamed, I cussed. Okay. 12% of the problem, as I see it, was mine. Will I apologize for the 12%? Or will I say, no, no, 88 was hers. Why should I apologize for 12? That'll make her think she didn't do anything wrong. A personal apology percentage for a Christian should be any percentage that we did wrong. No matter what we think the other person's percentage is. Unfortunately, in a marriage, uh, you want to get that personal apology percentage very, very low so that you will apologize for your percent, whatever it might be. I'm reflecting on my on my own marriage right now as you're speaking, and I, I got to say that my wife and I are very good at that we're very good at the at the apology even if my my percentage of that might be around eight percent which is most of the the time okay um i hope my wife's not listening right now uh but i will say this some people say um and 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 maybe i'd like for you to speak to this real quick um some people would say yeah I, i i can't do that right off the bat and i would say neither can i but what i do is because we pray because we keep Jesus close, yeah, it might take a day or so, but the I'm sorry is going to come out. It will, because my wife is more important than whatever thing that cheesed me off or whatever the case might be. Um, but I do take the minute to to pray. Let 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 Jesus work on me, and the I'm sorry will come out. Now, now a lot of people say, "Wait, but I don't believe in Jesus." Okay, all right. Well, then reflect. You know, reflect on how important your wife is to you, let's say from a man's point of view, and even if she is mostly wrong, to say it. So I was just reflecting as you were talking. I, I do it, but there's usually a little bit of a gap in time, to be, to be totally honest with you. Good words said later are better than no good words at all. So when you come back a day later, an hour later, and you recognize what you did, that still has a healing effect. And here, here's what you pointed out, Joe, and I, I think this is critical. For a religious person, a person who says, I want to follow Christ in this marriage, then apologies will come easier because Jesus says they are to come easier. But let us say that Jesus is, yeah, he's, he's, he's in your marriage kind of, sort of. I mean, yeah, we go to church on Sundays, maybe, but for the most part, I live my life pretty much as anybody in the culture lives their lives. So I really don't feel like apologizing. Here's the angle I take with them. I say, well, if you want more apologies, then if you apologize more, chances are, unless you live with Satan or Satan's sister, <laughs> you'll get some apologies back. It's kind of a reciprocal thing here. You know, I'm always, I'm always the one apologizing. Well, I found as a therapist, that's not always true, by the way. Uh, we, we tend to give ourselves a pretty heavy benefit of the doubt. I'm the good one. I'm the innocent one. Um, we're not real objective about ourselves. You ever hear the poet Robert Burns who said, oh, the gift that God would give us to see ourselves as others see us. How true. 
How true. Joe Racinello. One thing as Catholics, I think the more we work on our interior life, the better our marriage will be. Now, I'm speaking to the Catholics who may be listening. What do I mean by that? I have found in my house, my wife and I, we pray the rosary together. In the mornings, we both read before we, we get up early. I read the Magnificat. My wife reads scripture as well, not together, separately. We go to adoration. That was a, a wonderful boon to our house. Like I go for a half hour, she goes for a half hour. Um, the closer we get to God, the better our relationship will be, the better our family unit will be. But people don't see that, Doc. They see everything else is prioritized. I want my kid to speak Spanish at the age of two. I want my kid to be able to do calculus by the age of 11. I want him to be the middle linebacker at Columbia University. I want my kid to go to heaven. I want to stay married. And I want to die happy. <laughs> and that's what I want. But that's not the way it's looked at. The closer we get to God, the better our marriage will be. God says so through grace. Talk about that. I don't think everyone sees it that way. Father Robert Spitzer wrote a book called The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. In this book, he looked at 600 secular studies on moral living, not studies done by the Catholic Church or religious groups, secular psychology, sociology, social studies. And what every one of them pointed to was that if you live the way God says to do it, your marriage will be far better. You will be more content. You won't feel like you're being constricted and stifled like our culture thinks. Oh, you follow moral moral rules oh that must be a tough way to live on I mean, a gosh how do you have any fun whatsoever and all of these studies say the same thing the closer you live to the way god says to do it the better your life on earth will be it's not a matter of okay i'm gonna live this way so i can go to heaven well god says you do it this way and you're gonna have a better life here one of the more tragic things that happens in my office, gentlemen, is this. Somebody will come in, and they will be the more religious partner of the two. Their view is that their faith is very important to them. They are more devotional. They spend more time at church. And their spouse, uh, kind of along for the ride. Okay. They're unhappy. Their view is, my spouse doesn't view marriage like I do. I view my marriage in the context of my religion. If I say, this is where the tragedy comes in. If I say, well, you follow a very different set of principles then. Because you believe that the person you follow, Christ, says you need to be more forgiving, more serving, more charitable, more tolerant, they get mad. 
because they already think they are. Mm. And they look at their spouse and say, that person's not. What are you picking on me for? And I'm not picking on you. I'm simply saying, this is what you proclaim. And if so, if you act like you proclaim, then you may change your spouse. But you can't look at your spouse who doesn't think morally, religiously like you do and say, you need to think like I do. Well, how are you going to do that? Hmm. Yeah. Dr. Roy Gorendi is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. If you're just joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, we're discussing his new book, 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage, available Sophia Press and EWTN.com and DrRay.com. Um, in the book, Dr. Ray, you explain how living by the quote, quote unquote, just don't say it philosophy is a game changer. So unpack that a little bit. What do you, what do you mean by that? I used to play a lot of basketball, gentlemen, and basketball is one of those sports where bodies are not supposed to collide, but they do. And it's in a confined space and elbows are being thrown and you're banging against each other and you're pushing and you're shoving and you could easily get upset. The guy hammered me and he didn't, he didn't call the foul. And I learned there were moments where I better pull myself out of that game because if I didn't, it was within seconds, I was going to do something I regretted, even just bring a foul on myself. That lesson translates to marriage. I would say that 90% of the regretful things I have said, not only in marriage, but to anybody, are at the peak of emotion. When I am fever pitch, I am most likely to say something I'm going to regret and that I'm going to have to apologize for. And what I found was physiology is on your side. If you delay for just 10 or 15 seconds, that peak emotional rush starts to taper. It does. It's physiologically the reality. It starts to taper. And as it tapers, your self-control can kick in. Maybe you didn't have the self-control when it was at its peak. But if you shut your mouth, just shut it. Don't say what you most wanted to say at that very moment. Give it 10, 15, 20 seconds. You are much less likely to say anything stupid or hurtful or mean-spirited or regretful. So just don't say it is critical. I can't tell you how many times I didn't have to apologize for what I didn't say. Dr. Gorenda, you know why I love talking to you? Because you just, and I mean this sincerely, it could be partially because you're Italian, um, but you're just a plain speaking guy and you're blunt about it. It's not, you don't talk in flowery, flowery language like you think like a psychologist would, you know, just telling you, oh, just go out and be happy and embrace the universe. You just, no, just don't do it. Just don't say it. And here's what the body's going to do. You'll calm down. <laughs> And you won't have to apologize. You won't have to do what we said earlier, which is say, I'm sorry, because you said something stupid. That's I love right. it, Doc. That's why we love having you. That's why the audience loves you. I have somebody come into my office, and the woman will say, he doesn't stick up for me with my mother. When my mother makes remarks criticizing my housekeeping, my children, he doesn't say anything. So I'll turn to the guy. 
Do you know why your wife thinks that? No. Why not? I guess I never asked her. How long you been married? 21 years. You don't know why your wife thinks you don't stick up for her? I guess I just don't agree. You don't have to agree. All you have to do is understand. So one of my small steps is ask some questions. Find out why that spouse thinks the way they do. You don't, you don't have to like it. You could think it's ridiculous. But just your goal is to be like me, a therapist. People come into my office, guys, and they say the most rot gut stuff. They say things that could curdle your hair. And if I were to immediately said, oh, come on. What are you, some kind of nut? Why are you thinking like that? That's ridiculous. Knock it off. They wouldn't come back. I have to sit and try to figure out how it is that they've come to this thinking. I tell it the spouses. Do you know why your spouse thinks the way they do? Ask some questions. Yeah. Joe Arsenello. Let's talk about something basic, praying together. It's one of my things, advice I give to couples, uh, have given to couples. I always say uh, this statistic, divorce is 50%. It gets cut in half if couples go to church together. I, I read that that's about 20 to 25% in terms of divorce. And couples that follow natural family planning, only 3% get divorced. But how important it is to pray, say, the rosary together, like to pray together. It takes 15 minutes to say at the end of the day, we're going to pray together. And if the kids join, good for you. That's a tough one. If you can get them to do it, great. But you and your wife pray together. How efficacious is that 15 minutes? That's why we had 10 kids. Because it's one decade. I love it. Was. We go through and each kid got the Hail Mary. And I, I was the one who most often lost track of where we were. So I'd say, glory be. And three girls, would, it's always the girls. The girls would go, dad, it's a Hail Mary. Oh, I knew that. I would just see it if you guys were paying attention. <laughs> when a spouse is willing to pray with a spouse, that, that says something beyond prayer. It says... This is what I value. Gentlemen, I got a regret in my marriage, in my child rearing. If I had it to do over again, I'd change it. At night, when I would say my prayers, I would get in bed, pull up the covers, and I'd say my prayers silently under the covers. The kids didn't know I was praying. All they thought was dad went to bed. He's an old guy. I would have knelt by my bed so they could see me kneeling by my bed and saying my prayers. That's one prayerful thing I would change. I love it. Doc, let me ask you this. Um, we get beaten up in life. You know, we do all the things that you're talking about, right? Joe's talking about, I'm talking about, right? We're trying to, we're trying to do the best as men. We're trying to do the best for, by our wives and our kids, all right? Life's, life's rough, okay? Whether it's economic, political, all right? It's not easy to get up every day and go out there. You're getting abused at work. 
you know, by ungrateful bosses. Maybe you could tell I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> How do you get rid of that daily discontent, which is what you call it in the book, daily discontent, and kind of leave that crap where it belongs? Again, we have to deal with it. We're men. All right. But we understand that we shouldn't be bringing that home. How, how would you recommend, particularly as it pertains to marriage? OK, um, to, 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 to how best to keep the daily discontent out of the home? One of the best definitions of frustration is this. Frustration is the difference between the way we want things to be and the way that they are. The bigger the gap the more we get frustrated, the more we get angry, the more we get discontent, the more we complain, the more we whine, the more we bring it home. When you recognize that the world is not going to go the way you want, it's not going to happen. We expect it to go the way we want. We're a spoiled people. We, we no longer have to struggle to survive like most of human history did. We are very comfortable. We're very materialistic. Ooh, what? No, what? No hot shower? Oh, I'm not taking that. Oh, no air conditioning in the car? You don't expect me to get in there, do you? I'm not wearing this. It's the wrong color. So what happens is we become spoiled. Life is not doing what I want. Gentlemen, one of the most common things that people now ask of me they don't say, will you please tell me how I can change myself? They say, will you tell me how to change another person? Hmm. I say, I can't even help you change you half the time. How long am I going to have you change another person? You see, that's why we get frustrated. My boss, I, I don't like the way my boss is. How long have you been working there? Eight years. Was he been like that? Oh, yeah, he's like that. So what are you going to get used to this? When is it going to stop bothering you? My father-in-law, I'll tell you what, the guy just makes snide remarks about my religion. Well, how, how long has he been your father-in-law? 26 years. Well, are you, are you still upset yourself? I had a call on the radio show the other day, and the lady said, I'm married 54 years, and I am so frustrated because my husband never says I'm sorry. And I said to her, well, is it taking you a half a century to come to the conclusion that he's not going to say, I'm sorry, but she still upsets herself because it hasn't changed. And that is so much of our anger and our distress. You people aren't acting the way I want. Life isn't treating me the way I want. This didn't happen the way I want. Since when? You know, my wife and I couldn't conceive. So our 10 children are adopted. My wife always wanted to be able to conceive children. We couldn't. Wasn't going to happen. So after our first time of disappointment, we said, well, I, I, I guess we'll try to adopt. We'll just do what we can to try to adopt. Well, it didn't turn out the way we wanted initially, but it turned out to be a blessing beyond anything we thought. But we didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea. If we'd have been able to conceive, we might have had three or four kids because we were in our 30s. All right. But we got 10. That's a lot of tax deductions. You know what I mean? Gentlemen, I didn't pay any taxes for close to 15 years. You know, you're going to find out a way to get 10 kids. That's right. <laughs>
I have I have one who's about to be adopted. So uh, you know, uh, I can imagine that that tax deduction for the ten. Um, let me let me ask you this: things are crazy, okay? Um, well, you know what? I don't want to be shelf- selfish. I think Joe's going to ask the same question, so I'll hand it over to him. I, I just want to make a comment because um, I commend you for what you did, and it's a great example, and that's important. You understood what marriage is. That is an understanding of what marriage no, is. No, come on, Joe. My wife told me to do it. No way, man. <laughs> I'm serious. You yeah. understood what marriage is, and that goes circles back. Most people don't. What am I going to get out of it? No, it's what I'm going to give to it. And you did it. And it, your life says it. I don't even have to know you. I, we've talked at one other time. Your life says everything. And that's how we change the world as Catholics. Our didn't life. start out that way, Joe. didn't start out that way. It was one of those things that you kind of have to mature into. You know, if somebody would have told me on my wedding day, hey, you know, you're going to have 10 kids. I'd have looked at them and said, who are you talking to? What are you, <laughs> nuts? I said, here, let me show you my driver's license. You're thinking of the wrong dude. You're at the wrong wedding. But it just kind of happened. It sort of unfolded, you know? It wasn't anything where we said, okay, let's just go serve God and try to be holy. No, no, it just kind of unfolded. And we said, well, okay, what's what's another child? You know, small increase. We tried to adopt before December because if you adopt in December, you get the tax deduction for the whole year. So that's nice. really important. Yeah, they pay for themselves that first year. I love it. Doc, we don't have a lot of time left. But I want your comments on this. Um, the culture's throwing a lot of things at us, okay? The enemy is throwing a lot of things at us. A lot of things at the family. I mentioned what Our Lady said at Fatima in the beginning, you know, at the top of the show. Um, the the attack is relentless um, as far as what people want to substitute for the family. Um, you could actually substitute yourself now. You could You could take on the identity of a woman, even if you're a man. And all these things that are ultimately affecting marriage and the family. How do we get this genie back in the bottle? Because I, I will admit, although I am a hopeful person because I'm a disciple of Christ, uh, that I get real down sometimes. Uh, can we, how can we get this genie back in the bottle or at least start to? Quit trying to get the genie back in the bottle. Focus on yourself. The story is that a kid's walking along a beach that's littered with starfish. Every once in a while, he picks one up and he throws it back in the ocean. And some adult says, what are you doing? I'm saving starfish. The adult says, are you kidding? There's thousands of them. You're not making any difference. And the kid says, for the ones I throw back, it makes all the difference in the world. So what I tell people is quit looking out there and saying, okay, how can I transform the culture? You begin by transforming you and your own family. That's how you do it. If I had to look at the culture, I would be depressed because I got to tell you, gentlemen, I don't think we're going in the right direction and I don't see a reversal. That's just straight reality. I do not see a reversal. However, I do see that those people who embrace the faith want to embrace the faith because now you got to want it because the culture is not on your side. So in that sense, I think the people, as St. Uh, as Pope Benedict said, the church is going to be leaner and meaner because she's she's going to be smaller, but the people in it are going to have to want to be in it because they'll be countercultural. 
Absolutely. Dr. Ray Gurendi, unfortunately, we are up against the uh, end of the show, so we have to leave it there. The book, available at Sophia Press, um, available at EW10.com and DrRay.com, is 10 Steps to a Healthy Marriage. We encourage you all out there to go and buy it. Dr. Ray, uh, give our audience, please, where they could find you, radio, social media, all that fun stuff. Well, I have a Facebook page. Uh, my website's drray.com, drray.com. And now my son <laughs> is starting to put me on Instagram. He's handling it. I don't even know what goes up there, guys. I don't put it up there, but my folks who run it do. I, I thought it was going to be Instagrams. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> nice. Hey, you, <laughs> I don't know. You're you're talking to a guy who who wore his garage door opener for years, so people thought I had a pager. I love it. You're, you're right up my alley. <laughs> you're right. I was going to say, you're right up Joe's alley. Dr. Ray Gorendi, you know you're welcome back on this show anytime, brother. Thank you so much, Paisan. Thank you guys very much. Excellent. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, download the app, share it with your friends, and please follow Joe and I wherever you see us on uh, social media, like, subscribe, share, follow on Twitter. Do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.